Good evening. Tonight's show is sponsored by Mama Says, which is a plant-based meal preparation and delivery service. 100% of the meals are gluten-free and oil-free. And would you believe that Mama Says was co-founded by one of our most beloved listeners, Miss Meg Donahue? Learn more about Mama Says by going to the website at mamasays.com, M-A-M-A-S-E-Z-Z.com. I've had a ton of their food. It's delicious. It'll give you an energy burst. You'll just feel good. Mamasays.com. Good evening and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Our featured guest for this evening is Epic. She's a longtime friend. We'll tell you about who she is in a minute, but I will say one thing. She is a passionate animal rights activist. I wouldn't even call her an activist. I would call her a warrior. She's somebody who's always putting herself out there, fighting on behalf of defenseless animals and I'll tell you, you know how passionate I am, but let me restate again why I feel so strongly when it comes to animals. All animals are sentient beings. They have mommies. They have daddies. And you look at pigs and cows. I mean, they want to have the same things we have. And the fact that human beings look at animals as ingredients, as things to be made into to food, and the horrible way that they are treated, they spend their whole lives on these factory farms and it's horrible conditions and gruesome ways that they're killed. I think it's just horrifying. I, I hate it. And that's one of the reasons why I have a very low respect for humanity. I just think that's one of the worst qualities that human beings have is how they treat other animals. You know, they're always talking about how, oh, we want to have this path to peace. There's going to be some kind of great awakening. I don't believe the awakening that people say is going to happen is ever going to happen unless animals and other parts of nature, including the earth itself, are treated with a hell of a lot more respect than they are being shown right now. So let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is somebody who I consider a dear friend her name is Jane Velez Mitchell. She's the founder and editor of JaneUnchained.com, a huge website that promotes animal rights advocacy, veganism. And if you don't know something else about Jane, is that she's the winner of four Genesis Awards from the Humane Society of the United States. For six years, she hosted her own national TV show on HLN, and she's also a New York Times bestselling author. Miss Jane Velez Mitchell. Welcome to the program. It is a great honor to have you with us today. Well, I love you, and I'm so thrilled to be here. I love what you do. You're also a very compassionate person. You do great public service work, pro bono work for, for causes, for voiceless animals, and I love you. Me too, Jane. Thank Fine. you. Well, before we even go into your animal rights advocacy work, let's talk a little about your career in journalism because you wrote this book called I Want, where you talked about how you overcame a life of uh, alcoholism. Can you please explain what was the moment when you knew you had to make a change and what people can learn from your experience in overcoming such a tremendous addiction? Yeah, well, you never overcome it, first of all. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a pickle, never again a cucumber, as they say. So, um, it's a daily reprieve if you stay on a spiritual path and an honest path because uh, all addiction is a disease of amnesia. 
we like to glamorize and romanticize the drug of choice, whatever it is. It can be alcohol, drugs, sex, food. We don't, what, what we try to learn in sobriety is take that drink and take it all the way to the end where it ends in the gutter. And uh, so the mind plays tricks. And what happens is that when you're in your disease, you're not in control. The disease is in control. So it's almost like being taken hostage by this craving that is so overpowering. The definition of addiction is powerless. You're powerless. So once you get, once it takes over, you are powerless to stop it. That's the definition of uh, of addiction. So the the only thing you can do is admit that you're powerless. It's a dichotomy. By admitting that you have no power, you find the only power you have is the power to surrender to your powerlessness. So you stop negotiating with it because every alcoholic, including myself, um, you know, said, I'll only drink on weekends. I'll only drink on days at NY. I'll only drink wine. I'll only drink, you know, it's negotiation. And, and the greater lesson is anytime you're going up against a person or a substance that you can never successfully negotiate with, walk away. <laughs> you're never going to win. So um, 23 years ago, I um, uh, hit bottom. I was at a Hollywood party. I made a fool of myself. I blacked out. And the next day, I woke up feeling that incomprehensible demoralization. And for the first time, I had a number to call because I had a friend who I used to party with uh, and went to college with who had gotten sober. And uh, so I called him and I said, you know what, Abbott, I do need help. And uh, that was the last time I ever... I, I've been sober for 23 years, awesome. and you know what? It all got better. After I got sober, I came out as gay. That was one of the things that I drank over. I was trying to suppress my sexual um, uh, leanings. It's not about sex. It's about identity. I mean, our society says you're supposed to, you know, it's drilled in from the day you're you're a little girl. You know, you're going to grow up, and you're going to get married to a guy, and da 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 and, you know, it didn't feel right. I did get married <laughs> to a guy. <laughs> Nicest person on earth, but I married my best friend. It wasn't it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. So when I got sober, uh, I couldn't hide from it anymore, and I came out. And I also went vegan. Um, I decided that, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I don't want to view myself as a killer, but when I'm eating animals, I'm killing them. That's ordering the hit. You know, in I covered crime so for many years. I wouldn't go into that crime, but when you when stopped you, drinking, is it when you stopped drinking? Did it all this clarity kind of come in? Did it rush into you? All these revelations about the the truth that you've been seeking in your life? Well, for, there's a couple of things. One, you have more time because you're not running around nightclubbing and and dancing till all hours. So I had a lot of energy and time that I had to put to use uh, because addiction or alcoholism or whatever your your you know. Uh, substance of choices is time consuming. It doesn't just consume brain cells and, uh, you know, embarrass you. It also takes up a lot of your time. And so I had a lot of free time after that. And um, yes, I had a moment of clarity. I started to, you know, addiction leads to moral bankruptcy. You are bankrupt emotionally and spiritually when you hit bottom. And so I suddenly started to look at myself and say, well, what do I stand for? You know, if I'm here on this planet, is it just about me having fun and going out and partying? What else do I stand for? What? Who am I? 
And so I started to think about, you know, what my values were, uh, kindness, compassion. And um, if I'm going to be a kind person, well, would I go and wrestle a pig to the ground and split that animal's throat? No. Um, would I take a chicken and just go out there and snap that chicken's neck? No. So why am I participating in that? Now, I had been a, a pescatarian. I was brought up as a pescatarian, so I never actually ate very much meat in my life. Um, there were a couple of – there were a few times I can remember when I was a kid. Uh, we we kind of thought of ourselves as semi-vegetarians, but we were eating fish and duck and – ugh. And uh, I'll never forget when I was a kid, we used to go to this um, – restaurant when we were driving from Manhattan out to the eastern end of Long Island and we would stop at this restaurant and there were all these ducks in a pond and I loved as a child playing with them and then we would go inside and we would eat and then it clicked in my head as a child I was like oh my god we're eating the ducks that I was playing with outside that's who 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 we're eating and so I always had this sort of awareness uh thanks to my mom who you know was uh I would call her one of the original uh, uh, animal rights activists, uh, and um, she lived to 99 and a half. She just died a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Um, I it, it does, but I also want to, to go realize... a little bit more with it, too, because when you're drinking a lot of alcohol and you are medicating or maybe you're suppressing something because it hurts so bad, what was the – root cause of the alcoholism and also what I want to ask you this is that you touched upon it a little bit more but how do people identify if they have a root addiction even if it's not something as you know obvious as alcohol what are some of the indications that you well, are Well the suppressing? good thing about alcohol is when you're drunk it shows okay. right um, but there's a lot of other addictions that are invisible sometimes when people are on pills it's hard to tell I mean I've been friends with people that I found out later were like popping pills and I knew there was something off, but I couldn't quite identify it. Um, so the good news about alcoholism, it's, it's hard to hide for, for long. I mean, people hide bottles. I never did that, but uh, it, you know, you can kind of tell when somebody's drunk, you can smell it on their breath, you know, but um, there are plenty of other addictions. There's addiction to food, which you could also see. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. If somebody's very overweight, they, they've got a food addiction and that's not that shaming. I mean, I struggle with my weight. It's simply that our society has said now, oh, okay, you know, you can – two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. Um, children yeah. are, are having obesity at, at alarming rates. This is a health crisis. Obesity has been classified by the American Medical Association's disease. I'm not fat-shaming anybody. I struggle with my weight a lot. But what I'm saying is it, it is – food is an addiction. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to sugar. I would call myself a sugar addict. Um, you know, am I in a, in a recovery program for it? No, but I'm aware that that's an issue for me. Um, and uh, maybe I should be, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I know that I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing if I were drinking. And so my number one, uh, you know, uh, thing that I worry about is staying sober because all we have is today. I can't tell you how many people I, I've known over the years who've had many, many years of sobriety, and then they just go out, and they start drinking again, and they tell themselves because it's a disease of amnesia. So um, in any case, you know, all addiction is multi-determined. 
Okay, so my father was an alcoholic, high-functioning, Madison Avenue advertising executive right out of Mad Men. He was an alcoholic, high-functioning. He never got a DUI. I never got a DUI. We were both very similar. We went to work. We never drank before work, drank after work, hangover the next day. So it's, it's it can be genetic. There are certain, you know, uh, markers or certain – it's environmental. And it's also um, – emotional and psychological and spiritual. It's a whole package. And let me tell you, just about everybody has some addiction. I mean, if you're not addicted to alcohol or drugs or food or sex or pornography on the internet or gambling or debt, um, there's always those invisible addictions. And one of the worst invisible addictions is codependency. That's amazing you bring that up. Yeah, that's the classic, uh, you know, the, the old school cliche of the codependent is the long-suffering wife who covers up for her alcoholic husband. Oh, no, Joe didn't mean to fall down those stairs. Oh, Joe just had a hard day. Oh, Joe this, Joe that. And she minimizes, rationalizes, and basically operates as the public relations person for the addict. Now, that person has their own addiction. Codependency is kind of when you're addicted to the troubled person. And um, so you, uh, excuse me, I'm, I want to make sure I always check for my uh, my packages if they come in because they can get flights. <laughs> Even though I live in a great place. Okay, so um, uh, yeah, so codependency is that invisible addiction that um, uh, it comes off. It appears to be the good person, the nice person, often the martyr. Oh, what? Well, oh, poor, poor um, Mary. What she has to put up with with Joe. Oh, that's terrible. So she gets this sort of like uh, rise or adrenaline rush after out of being the hero, the martyr, the long-suffering partner of the addict. But in truth, she's also sick. And it's a game. It's a dance between the codependent and the addict or alcoholic. Uh, so what happens is that the codependent provides a safety net for the addict to continue the bad, bad behavior. And the addict is providing the excitement uh, and the ego boost that the codependent lacks. So the codependent tells herself or himself, oh, I'm, you know, without me, what would happen? Um, I'm the only thing standing between this person and the gutter. Um, I, I have the power to change this person. And the first thing you learn when you become uh, sober from codependency or work toward recovery is that you're powerless. We are powerless over the addict or alcoholic. Um, I, I see this with, um, with people eating animals. Eating animals and their byproducts is the single biggest problem we have as a society. It is the leading cause of climate change, responsible for more greenhouse gases than it's transportation you say, combined. We, we talked to uh, Chris Hedges on our show about uh, two weeks ago. We interviewed him, and he's talking about And then uh, more and more research shows that it's at, it's at factory farming. I mean, it, it's horrible. It's morally reprehensible, as I find it. It's incredible that it, that it actually is the leading cause of pollution because they don't do anything about it. It's so... Not only do they not do anything about it, but our society is completely invested in codependently repressing, covering up, minimizing, rationalizing this problem. We held a news conference in Wilmington, North Carolina yesterday 
with half a dozen organizations, animal organizations, um, environmental justice organizations, uh, community people saying these manure lagoons from uh, the pig farms in North Carolina, which North Carolina is the second largest pig producing state in the nation after Iowa, are destroying our neighborhoods, our communities. They're making us sick. Do you know that two TV stations, local TV stations showed up? And as far as I can tell, and everybody in the community can tell, and I want to be wrong, they did not air it. But this happens over and over again. So that's why I started Jane Unchained, because the only uh, evidence that this news conference occurred is on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell. You can go to it. It's my verified page with a check mark, and you can see what these people had to hear had to say that was shut down by the mainstream media. And this happens all the time. They've gone to vigils. We bear witness at slaughterhouses with pigs going to slaughter, and we offer them water after driving hundreds of miles with no water, often in the searing heat or in the terrible cold. Yeah, and they're it's so either, sweet. They're it's, dehydrated. It's, they won't cover it. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand like, the average person. Advertisers. Is that what it is? The people making the decisions eat me. They don't want to look in the mirror. Al Gore doesn't want to look in the mirror. He doesn't talk about climate changes uh, being caused by animal agriculture. He doesn't. It's the really inconvenient truth. And and I'm kind of tired of trying to beg people to wake up to this. You know, we're going to go down the drain as a planet in Eight years, we will have virtually no wildlife on this planet left. I just went to an event last night where they're talking about the decimation of the elephants and the lions, and it's happening all over the world. And sure, it's people going and shooting elephants and giraffes, these morons, but it's also uh, destroying, it's the destruction of forests to grow crops to feed farm animals that is the primary habitat destruction, the primary wildlife destruction, because we're just 7.6 billion humans on this planet. We are raising 50 to 60 to 70 billion animals every year for food. Most living beings on this planet now, aside from insects, are factory farm animals kept in giant warehouses tortured from the day they're born to the day they die why don't it's people see this why don't they just i don't understand how the they're average brainwashed. person they're brainwashed and you know what they're being factory farmed too because the 0.1 percent are getting so rich off of this because essentially the big companies are controlled by a very small relative handful of people who own the voting rights to these major corporations that benefit from animal agriculture and big pharma, they are farming humans because they get you to eat the bad food. Then you get the high cholesterol. They can statins and anti-cholesterol lowering drugs are a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, stent operations, a multi multi-billion dollar industry. Um, erectile dysfunction, which is a result of in many cases, eating animals that have cholesterol that clogs the arteries and the vessels 
So heart disease is America's leading killer, one out of every four people. Every couple of weeks, I get a, a call from somebody, a friend, oh, my such and such relative just died suddenly of a heart attack. Your arteries to your heart get clogged with plaque. Plaque comes from cholesterol. There is zero cholesterol in plants. Only animals produce cholesterol. The plaque clogs your arteries, and if it doesn't, and you can't get the blood to the heart, you die. One out of every four human beings in America die this way. They will not make the connection to eating meat and dairy products. Even the hospitals are feeding people bacon and eggs, the very thing that's causing their heart I, I think disease. it's kind of ironic. And, you know, Jane, I just want to pause real quick because I want to explain to our audience something is that um, you know, we've been friends for a while. And I, you know, when I first met you, I was eating meat. Then I became vegetarian. Then I became vegan. Actually, you were the one that got me to go vegan because you were saying that I think uh, cheese is like cow's liquid meat. And I actually was able to go vegan because there are a lot of good choices that are out there. So for those people – who are eating meat that are maybe considering doing vegetarian or considering doing vegan, what are some of the immediate health benefits aside from your heart? Like what would you notice about your skin? Does your skin complexion improve? Do you have more energy? What, from your experience, can you say are some of the, let's say if I'm selfish, what are some of the self-interest of becoming vegan? Well, first of all, let me say I've been vegan 22 years. Okay. And my 63rd birthday is this, it's tomorrow. <laughs> and well, happy birthday. Thank you. I'm speaking at uh, the Veg California Vegetarian Food Festival, and then I'm emceeing an event for uh, what used to be the Vegan Freedom Project, but they rescue animals from laboratories that evening. And, um, you know, people are always telling me, Jane, you have too much energy. Honestly, it's sort of like <laughs> calm down, like take a chill pill. I wake up in the morning with a huge amount of energy, and I run till midnight, and I pass out. And I sleep like a baby, and then I wake up and I do it again. Um, I, I think that your energy level, I've heard from so many people, so it's not just my, you know, anecdotal, your energy level rises, uh, especially if you're eating healthy, um, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains. Like yesterday, we do a daily vegan cooking show on, on Jane Unchained, um, and uh, it's a live, Facebook Live slash Jane Velez Mitchell, 12.30 p.m. Pacific, 3.30 Eastern, every day. So uh, this woman named the Clean Eating Chick came over yesterday. She's going to be at the California Vegetarian Food Festival, and she made zoodles. Now, like everybody else, I love pasta, you know, but it puts it puts on the pounds. And like I said, I'm not coming from anywhere up high. I struggle with my weight, um, especially as I got older. I used to be a long-distance runner. My knees gave out because of running on cement and pavement after, you know, running for years. So it's not like I can just go out and run 17 miles like I used to and just boom. So, you know, I struggle with it. And uh, she said, okay, but instead of having pasta, get a little, um, one of those uh, things you get at the either Bed Bath & Beyond or you can get them anywhere. And you um, basically take a zucchini and you put it through this little thing that turns it into spaghetti. You know what I'm talking about. They advertise it on TV. It literally costs $10, $15. You put the zucchini in, it, it spiral, it's a spiralizer. It spiralizes into long spaghetti-type strips. You put a little bit of olive oil, you uh, garlic and some spices, and you, you cook it up on the pan. And you can put a little bit of sauce. She did a basil uh, pesto. She did a pesto, avocado pesto. She put some avocado with some 
garlic, some spices, and a little basil into a Cuisinart and zipped it up. Boom. We had pasta with sauce, but it was 100% healthy. It was far fewer in calories, and it was just delicious. It was delicious. It was like eating pasta, except it was the zucchini. Now, people say to me sometimes, you know, look, when you're in denial, let, let me go back to the alcoholism because there's such a parallel between alcoholism and and animal eating. I don't say meat anymore because meat is one step removed. When you're you're eating animals who had a mother, who have hearts, who dream, you know, just like your dog's dream. We all have dogs. We all know our dog's dream. <laughs> well, pigs dream, cows dream. They dream, okay? They are individuals, and we're eating them. Do you know when you eat one fast food hamburger, you can be eating the body parts of hundreds of cows? that have been processed from all over. I, I mean, it's disgusting. Can't that, but I think even if you were eating um, animals, the fact that anyone would go to McDonald's knowing or no. fast food, the, with the preservatives that are in there, I think it's just this awful. And Jane, I want to um, bring to our audience's attention that, you know, your animal rights advocacy work is fantastic, but you were one of the most prominent and premier crime and law reporters in the country. You still are. People still contact you because you've covered all the major trials. You've covered trials that have gotten nationwide attention, um, you know, between OJ and Scott Peterson trials and Jody Arias, which you wrote a best-selling book on. When you've observed these criminal trials, what have you learned about human nature and what is it about you that has allowed you to become this, you know, incredible voice and uh, person who's asking all these questions? Oh, that's very sweet of you. you. Um, uh, I will say that, um, A, I don't know how I ended up in the crime genre because it's not something I'm naturally drawn to. In fact, uh, my whole goal in life is to normalize nonviolence. So it was sort of an irony that I was thrown into that. Uh, Basically, I was a local news reporter and an anchor, and then I got a job on a syndicated show, Celebrity Justice, and they assigned me to cover the uh, Michael Jackson trial. And... Uh, I had covered crime, you know, here and there. Obviously, when you're a local news reporter, half the time you're covering crime. But then I started covering trials more. And um, uh, then I ended up having a crime show and covering it full time. Okay, what I learned is crimes are extreme examples of behaviors that we see in milder forms all the time. For example, the Jody Arias case. Jody Arias, I believe, has borderline personality disorder, and that is one of the hardest ones to treat. They don't know who they are, and so they latch on like a parasite to somebody else, in this case, Travis Alexander, who she ultimately killed, and they just basically try to merge with them. That's why sometimes there's a very intense sexual component to that, because what better way to merge with somebody else than through the act of sex? So um, she, you know, his friends became her friends, um, his hobbies and religion became her hobby. She basically just got his life and then inserted herself and didn't want to leave. And always with borderlines, eventually the person on the receiving end can't take it anymore. And it always comes in the form of favors. So beware of people who are constantly offering to do things for you. Because they expect something in return, and sometimes it's your life. So after watching the Jody Arias case and really thinking about it, 
I started noticing this behavior pattern with other people in a much milder form. I mean, she was an extreme case. That's what I'm saying. It's trials show extreme examples of behavior that we see in milder form every day, but they do offer a window into a, a worst case scenario. And also uh, a, Oh, I see that coming my way. I'm going to avoid it. So when somebody is constantly offering to do things for you and kind of inserts themselves into your life and plants themselves there on the pretext that they're so of service to you and doing so many things for you, beware because there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. You're going to pay for it. And then when you decide I've had enough, good luck getting rid of them. Okay. So what I notice is when somebody offers to do things for me, now I'm kind of like, hmm, what's their motivation? You know, let's try to think about what they're, what's in it for them. So it's like if somebody tries to open the door for you saying, what do you, what do you want from me? You open it. What are you holding the door for me for? What do you want? Well, I mean, maybe not is that, that microscopically. I do it. Yeah. Somebody, when somebody is really, really out there saying, let me do this, let me, let me do this. And, oh, how about this? You need help with that? You need it? You know, they've got a motivation. So just, just keep it in mind. Doesn't mean that everybody who's offering to do you a favor or bring over a, you know, a, an upside down pineapple cake, hopefully a vegan one, is is out to get you. It just means that you've got to always put yourself in the other person's shoes and think what what are they here for? What is their motivation? You know, Jean, I always find this really fascinating about you is that over the course of your career, you're covering these trials, and you're immersing yourself with some of the most darkest, most evil people you can imagine that are committing these horrific mm-hmm. crimes, yet you still remained a very moral person. You, matter of fact, have to give like your morality, your compassion continued to grow. How did you well, allow that? Well, I don't to... want what? Breaker, breaker, breaker. What? I am always suspect. I am always suspect say person. anybody who says that, you know, they're uh, like wear their spirituality on their sleeve. I mean, yes. Sobriety is a spiritual program because it was a spiritual malady with a spiritual solution. But that is irrespective of me. I Anybody who walks around saying, look how spiritual I am, chances are, well, they, there's even a name for it, spiritual materialism. They're using their so-called spirituality as um, uh, basically a, uh, a form of commerce. They're commoditizing right. it. They're, they're making it a thing which is ego-based or it, that's not how it works. So. I'm certainly not going to say that I'm a spiritual person. I can tell you I've made a lot of mistakes, and I've learned over the course of my life not to regret it, but that my experience could be a benefit of others. And, um, you know, I've learned a lot from sobriety. But I I don't want to, you know, walk around going, oh, look at me. What I was referring to about that that. was was saying that you've covered so many dark people, yet – I was wondering, how do you immerse yourself in that and not have that affect you? Because it's what we're trying to say. It has affected me. It uh-huh. has affected me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I make sure every single door is locked at night, and I got those sticks uh-huh. in between the windows okay. and the alarm, and I am very careful when I Jeez. walk to make sure I have a cell phone and a flashlight when I walk my dogs at night. I'm always looking over my shoulder because I've seen it all. I've seen, you know, if I see a van, which is the abduction vehicle of choice. Remember, if you're ever in trouble, run not in the direction the van's driving in the other direction. You know, there's all these little things you learn over the years. Um, If you're, I hate to say it, but young women and women in general have a target on their back. And, you know, every, every couple, I mean, pretty much every week, there's another female jogger who gets abducted. So be careful. That doesn't mean, oh, women have to, you know, 
wear burkas. It just means innocent young women, unfortunately, can be a target, and they should be careful when they're jogging. And, and I, you know, I say this to my girlfriend: don't go jogging with your headsets on at when the sun's going down, and then be in some alley. Be really careful. Be aware of your surroundings. That's what I've learned. So yes, it has impacted me. I don't automatically assume that everything is, you know, hunky dory. And if if I will say this, when I've had a when something tells me in my gut, or I get like, you know, my hair stands on end, and I see, I will run. I don't care if people laugh at me and say, "Why is that girl running down the street?" I will get the hell out of there because your subconscious and your body is smarter than you are, and sometimes they will tell you things that you don't know intellectually. That's awesome. You know, 99% of communication is nonverbal. So I always say, trust your gut. If your gut's telling you something's off, very good chance something's off. Well, Jim, the last question I want to ask you is what drives you? I mean, what is your what is your spiritual belief? or What is your belief about why you are here? Do you believe that you're here, you're going to have, you have several lifetimes, that this is your one life? What do you believe your purpose on, on life is, and do you feel that you, you're just about done accomplishing what you were here for? I hope not. Well, I wish. I wish, honestly. Like, you know, shoot me dead today if we could end factory farming, because that is the leading problem in, a, in the world that nobody's talking about. Um, you know, we've turned this whole planet into planet slaughterhouse, and it's all unnecessary. It's giving people diseases. It's destroying our environment it's killing all the wildlife it's increasing world hunger because animals eat so much more than they produce as meat or dairy and it's just uh it's a it's a horror show you know it's a horror show it's disgusting like sometimes we do our daily cooking show and you know we don't have people wear gloves generally and they're mixing some food everybody washes their hands and, and some troll will say "Ooh, you know Wear gloves or da 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 da. And I'm thinking, do you know how dirty a slaughterhouse is with the blood and the feces and the bones and the, you know, I mean, think about it. You're eating a carcass. And, and this is the litmus test for evolution. When human beings realize that they don't need to kill to survive, that we're not like lions who are carnivores. We, we actually are not carnivores. If we were carnivores, when we saw roadkill on the side of the road, we'd want to eat it. That's what carnivores would do. You put a lion next to a piece of roadkill, the lion's going to eat the roadkill. We don't do that. We're not carnivores. Our digestive system isn't set up for meat, okay? Um, all of this has been proven. We really don't have the kind of incisors that carnivores have. We say, you know, we have that, but we don't, okay? Our teeth are much more like the teeth of herbivores. Um, so we've been we've been taught all of this false the real fake news oh what about the caveman well guess what they just found a very 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 ancient skeleton a paleo man and they went through his teeth because they didn't have floss back then and guess what it was plants there was no meat it was all plants <laughs> you know so um paleo man was eating vegetables uh, but but things are changing. I mean, we've got a, a film called Game Changers coming up, which is all high performance athletes who've gone vegan, who are who ditched the dairy and ditched the meat. And um, what I say is, look, this woman called me the other day, right? And she said she was depressed. And um, could I help her? 
And people do. They reach out to me. So I said, well, I said, uh, I don't know why you're depressed, but how about if you just stop killing? <laughs> she literally couldn't jump off the phone fast enough. I said, look, um, when if I killed a human being, okay, let's say, God forbid, I killed a human being, I would be haunted by that. I would think about it. I would feel guilty. Uh, only sociopaths don't feel guilty for killing. I would say, oh, my God, I killed that person. What did I do to their family? Why did I make, Why did I do that? That's terrible, right? Well, when you kill other beings who just don't happen to be human, the same thing happens. But society is saying, don't worry about it. Those aren't, they, they don't count. They're not. They're not really victims. They're just things, but they're not. They're not just live inventory, as one farmer referred to all of the thousands and thousands of animals that he left to drown in a warehouse in North Carolina. They're not live inventory who died. They are living beings. If you look at your dog, the emotional range of our dogs, we have three dogs. They all have completely different personalities, okay? They have completely different preferences. They have, they are individuals. They are who's, not what. Same thing with all these farm animals. So the average person kills about 200, 250, even more animals a day. We're eating more animals than ever in the history of humankind. And society says, don't worry about it. You get a pass. You can even call yourself an animal lover if you have a dog or a cat, even though you're killing animals day in and day out. Well, let me tell you. There is something called justice. And even though it's legal, there are other forms of justice. What goes around comes around. So this woman didn't want to hear it. She clicked off the phone. Guess what? I ran into her a couple of days later, more depressed than ever. Now, I can't force her. I am powerless over her decision. But so many people are suffering from depression. Okay? And I know when I drank, it was because my behavior was out of tune with who I really was. I wasn't heterosexual. I tried. Let me tell you, I gave it the old college try. <laughs> I really tried to be heterosexual, but I wasn't, and I'm not, and I couldn't keep up the pretense. As soon as I dropped the alcohol, it was abundantly clear to me that I was lying to myself. Stop lying to yourself. If you're a good, nice, decent human being who couldn't wrestle all these pigs to the, and cows to the ground yourself and slit their throats and devein them and debone them and chop them up like a, like some kind of serial killer, don't be a serial killer of animals. Don't. Just eat something else. 80% of what we eat is already vegan. Still make 20% of the food. So just substitute it. And see if you feel better, have more energy, have less depression, greater longevity. When you go to the doctor, they're going to go, oh, wow, your cholesterol is way low. What are you doing? And you they're going to act all surprised. I will say go, that from a first-hand experience, too. When, when I became vegan, my blood pressure went down, my skin complexion improved, and towards the end of my last day, when I was eating meat, I was actually becoming sensitive, and I was getting um, feeling a lot of anxiety while eating it. I didn't even realize it, but once I stopped it completely went away. So, I mean, I guess everyone's got their own choice, but if you do make that choice and you become vegan, you can, there's a lot of mental and physical uh, health benefits to it. Yeah, and spiritual. You know, your show is spiritual. I mean, killing, there is a price to pay for killing. 
And our society is so hell-bent on saying to you that you can eat animals, but you're not killing them. I covered crime for years. If you pick up the phone and order a hit, you can get convicted of murder and thrown to prison. You don't have to slit the victim's throat yourself. How many stories did we cover on True TV and elsewhere, right? Uh, where, you know, somebody, some wife who wants to get rid of her husband or some husband who wants to get rid of her wife or his mistress, you know, calls his wife or his mistress, calls up, you know, some guy and says, hey, I'll, I'll pay you X, Y, Z to take this person out. Well, guess what? The person who made the call gets convicted and thrown in prison, just like the person who slit the person's throat. And so when you're ordering animals on your plate or buying them at the supermarket, you are ordering that hit, and you are going to pay a price. There's no such thing as a free lunch, and there's definitely no such thing as a free steak or hamburger or hot dog or a piece of bacon when it comes to the price you pay. You pay dearly for it, dearly, in many ways. And we're all paying for it. You know, processed meat, which is how most people eat it, is cancer-causing, officially, according to the World Health Organization. And people are shoving little nuggets down their kids' throats. Well, then you watch that movie, What the Health, and I'll explain it. That documentary, What the Health, explains exactly where the meat comes in. It's incredible. Perfect. It's perfect. You've got to watch it, man. That documentary lays it all out. And even there's a scene in the documentary where they're trying to talk to somebody who does stent operations. And the PR person comes out and says, oh, we can't talk to you because, you know, this is our business. In other words, this is our business, doing stent operations for people whose arteries are clogged with cholesterol from animal products. We don't want to talk to you about it because we'll lose money. Follow the money. Don't yeah, be explicit. suckers. Yeah. You know, the, the irony is I talked to somebody who wrote a, a best-selling book. I forget the title right now. He said, first thing I found out is that the people who – own these big companies and get, you know, 0.1%. They don't eat it. They don't eat this stuff. They have private chefs that are making their kids all sorts of healthy food, mostly vegan. They're not eating it because they're smart enough to know it's killing everybody. Miss Jane Velez Mitchell, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It was truly a great honor. Jane, again, is the founder and editor of JaneUnchained.com. It's one of the most incredible animal rights advocacy sites. you learn all this great information. She also does her cooking show, and we'll send you a link directly to that. You'll learn a lot of great recipes. I can tell you what, um, my palate for eating has improved dramatically as a result of watching your show. Jane, Aww. again, is the winner of four Genesis Awards from the Humane Society of the United States, best-selling author. So, um, Jane, I, it's, it's an honor to know you. I love you so much, and I'm so thankful you came on our show today to, to share your wisdom and share your time. I love you, Ryan. You are one of my favorite people on this planet. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Tooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our animal rights warrior, Miss Jane Velez Mitchell, and special thanks as always to the Out of Limits of the Tooth Radio Show virtues, psychic medium Carrie O'Connor, psychic empath Lisa Kaza, and astrophenom, our astrologer, Miss Constance Sellers. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.
Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 